0: This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode was underwritten by the Tamsin G Association, Warrior Queen, and Chris Giddings. To learn more about ways to support O oh My Dollar and get cool perks like a cat stickers and a fancy special icon on our forums, you can visit omydollarcom slash Welcome to O oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Bake. You're an adult now! Congratulations! Now you owe everyone money! Paying bills is part of an adult life, unless you've managed to completely go off the grid and live off the land, in which case, I don't know how you're listening to this show, but hi, friend. uh, Bills feel like one of those parts of adult life that are kind of non-negotiable. You get asked to pay, you pay the listed amount mail piles up, you maybe try to ignore it and assume that it's on auto pay. I don't know. But in many ways, there's actually wiggle room if you're willing to try to negotiate. So we have Tori from her first 100K to talk about ways to negotiate bills that you might not have thought of. Tori Dunlap is a millennial money and career expert. Her career started with landing a digital marketing contract worth tens of thousands and a full-time position as the head of marketing and communications for a global security company, all before she turned 22. On track to save $100,000 by 25, Tori founded her first 100K to give women actionable resources to reach their first six figures too. I'm so excited to have you on, Tori, especially after meeting you last year to finally get you on air here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love the show, and it was so great meeting you at FinCon. So I'm glad we're finally doing this.
0: Yeah, I think we I think we met in a hot tub. So this is like a slightly 100%. slightly different yeah. environment. But
1: <laughs> you were dressed as David Bowie in a hot tub.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that sounds like me. That seems yeah. like exactly something I would do. The, the sad news is that's so uh, normal to me that I'm not even 100 percent sure that I remember that I was. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess hot water is kind of. Linked to today's show, which is <laughs> one thing that you've talked about before is that your parents negotiated bills and you like saw that as a kid and that taught you your financial skills from a young age. For someone that just pays or like doesn't pay the bills that arrive, why should you negotiate bills? Like, isn't it just kind of mean to do that?
1: Yeah, that was a great segue, by the way. <laughs> that was a perfect segue. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I get I get that feedback a lot from clients, from readers who are like, I can negotiate this. Pretty much everything in life is negotiable, and that sounds like something people say, but it truly is. I have on my calendar times of the year where I call my car insurance company. I call them twice a year. I have a short 10-minute conversation, and pretty much every time I've been able to lower my rate. Um, you can do this with your cable company, with your phone company. Uh, and anytime something goes wrong, for me, this has happened a lot on airlines, right, where your flight gets delayed, mm-hmm. sometimes for five, six, seven hours, or sometimes something just doesn't happen. You were promised something and it, and it doesn't work out. And so I saw my dad do this as I was growing up. I saw him negotiate the cable bill every month. Um, they would try to sneak these charges on. And I think this happens still where oh, this $5 charge that you have no idea where it came from or why it's there. And so he'd call and negotiate that. And so I saw the kind of script he used. I saw what worked. And I do the same thing now. And it saved me thousands of dollars over the past couple of years.
0: Yeah, that's a big deal because I think one of the things that people don't think about is they're like, oh, if I have to spend this much time on the phone and it only saves me like $20 off my bill, like that's not a very good hourly rate but then when you think right. about the compounding like if you save $20 on your cable bill or you know your internet or whatever and that continues into perpetuity that's a lot of money over the long term
1: yeah and sometimes you know i my car insurance is billed twice a year so those are the two times i call so my car insurance bills are like $650 so if i can get $50 off of that that's a really good percentage especially if i only spent 15 minutes on the phone like that's that's a really good return on my investment there.
0: Right. Totally. So, I mean, this is also one of those things like we we talk about medical stuff on the show, unfortunately, all mm. the time. But uh, I just got surgery last week, kind of unexpectedly, um, because I broke my wrist. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know that has suddenly become incredibly relevant to my life is how much medical bills can be negotiated, right? Like right. medical bills in, in the U.S., unfortunately, like medical debt is a leading cause of bankruptcy at this point, And medical bills are one of those things that they're so opaque and so like if you think your cable bill is hard to read try reading a hospital bill <laughs> and and you get so many of them that it can be really overwhelming but it can make such a huge difference because medical costs are so large in this country if you're willing to pay essentially the toll of calling the hospital and talking with them and if you can't negotiate the bill down which you often can you can at least negotiate a payment plan um, right. which is something a lot of people don't realize is that Like, you don't have to wreck your credit score or deal with piling bills if you can't afford to pay the whole bill at that time. You can still talk to them and negotiate a payment plan so that you, you know, won't have them showing up at your door.
1: I had this happen with me last year. I have insurance. My insurance is pretty great. And I still got a bill. Like I had a routine gynecologist visit and I went in and I was charged like $180 for some tests that they did. And so I called and I was like, shouldn't this be covered by insurance? And unfortunately not all of it was, but there was one test that they had billed out of pocket that should have been. So I ended up saving $30, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a 15 minute phone call, I was happy to save $30. So even sometimes when you have insurance, there's still some things you can negotiate or just call to make sure that everything's being covered in the way that it should be.
0: I I think insurance is when you're most commonly need to call to negotiate, unfortunately. The, uh, yeah, one of the big things for me was that, um, I, so I had to get, I had to get wrist surgery, but I've already hit my out-of-pocket maximum for the year Mm. uh, of $8,000 because my medication is really expensive. And, um, and because of that, I if everything stays in network on my insurance, I will have to pay nothing for this this surgery. But by the same token, I don't get any control over who operates, who the anesthesiologist is, right? So I can call till the cows come home and be like, is the surgeon in network, blah, blah, blah. But I don't get a choice in who is assigned to me. That being said, a lot of people don't realize that if you do get assigned a, um, you know, out of network provider in an in-network facility, which is like the most American phrase I could possibly come up (laughs) with, um, but if you do, you can actually give them a call and um, and in most states there is a law that is a a lot of times they're called surprise billing laws but essentially you can fight the fact that an out of network person was assigned to you at an in network facility so you can actually fight the fact that you are getting billed for this out of network person because i have insurance that doesn't cover anything out of network so i'm like please 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 don't be out of network the joke was i woke up from general anesthesia and the first thing i asked was are you in network to the nurse above are me you so in
1: network I actually didn't know that, so I'm learning something today, too.
0: <laughs> I mean, medical bills are one of the most opaque things. Um, one of the shows that I love listening to, who we had on before, called An Arm and a Leg, is stories about American healthcare, which could be really depressing, but he does a pretty good job of making it mostly entertaining. But he was describing the fact that, like, being willing to make these calls and do put in the kind of grueling work is sort of the toll that you pay (laughs) and you can save a lot in the long run but you have to be willing to actually do it and uh, for a lot of people that ends up being the biggest challenge yeah it's just the time okay so are there any scripts that you follow when you're making these calls so do you do you have like a standard thing that you say when you're calling your car insurance
1: i do 100 percent. so the first thing is to be polite uh, that sounds obvious, but you get what you want by being nice. Uh, if you're, if you're angry, if you're upset, no matter how upset you are, like really try to be intentionally just polite. And cause there's a, there's a person on the other side of the line. So be polite, state your issue. Maybe you found a better deal somewhere else. Maybe you're calling your phone company and you saw a data plan that was advertised on TV that was cheaper than what you're currently paying or, Maybe you got, for me, like I often get the car insurance competitors who send me mail that says, oh, here's your rate, same amount of coverage, and sometimes that's cheaper. So maybe your problem is that. So state your problem, state what happened, and then you're going to show your loyalty. So you're going to say something like, oh, I've been a customer for the last five years, and I would really like to continue being a customer, so my dad used to do this. He, he used to generally know how long he had been a customer for, so he knew it was a good period of time. And so he'd call and he'd say, how long have I been a customer with you all? And they'd go, oh, 14 years, Mr. Dunlap. And he goes, that's a really long time. How do we make sure it's 15? <laughs> so it's just, it's just really, really demonstrating, okay, you know that it's going to be more expensive to lose a customer and then I have to acquire another one. So how do we make sure that I can continue to be loyal to you? If this is a company you're just uh, working with for the first time or you've only been a customer for maybe one or two years, you can turn it on them and say something like, I would love for you to earn my loyalty today by having a great experience. Um, And then the fourth thing is, yeah, I want to have a great customer experience with you today. What can you do for me? And then leave it up to them. Don't say anything more. Pause and see how they can help you. You There's been a lot of times... When they say, oh, I can't do anything for you, don't give up, keep going. I was once on the phone, and this is because I'm obsessive, I was once on the phone for an hour trying to fight a charge from StubHub, I think, and I ended up saving $175 just because I was persistent and patient, and most people aren't.
0: Yeah, that's a and that pause in negotiation, like I've talked about it right. before when it comes to job negotiation, but that pause is so powerful because it it essentially puts you in this position of power waiting for the other person to f- you know come back at you with their best offer,
1: right. And there's sometimes where, yeah, they'll they'll come back and they'll go, "Oh, there's nothing we we can do." And then you say something like, you know I again, I want you to keep I want you to earn my loyalty today or I want to make sure that I can stay because I really love you know this company. I really love being a customer and then if that doesn't work, maybe try escalating speaking to somebody above them um, who can who can make more of these decisions for you
0: so if folks are like you know kind of hate <laughs> talking on the phone, what is your advice for that?
1: so there's some Companies that have chat lines uh, via, you know, almost I say sounds so old via the internet, but like <laughs> online chat—that's the word I'm looking for—that you can go on and you can have conversations with people there, and you can use the same script, and it's worked for me trying to get, um, you know, something from Amazon refunded or something else. So that can work if you're like really anti-phone. Otherwise, negotiation is a muscle. The more you do it, the more you'll feel comfortable with it. So. Start negotiating in your everyday life. Start doing it in person. I mean, we do negotiations all the time and don't realize it. If your partner wants to go out to eat and he wants Mexican food and you had Mexican food for lunch and you say something like, oh, let's, you know, maybe let's try something else. Like, even that, as simple as it is, is, is a negotiation. So making sure that you're, you're strengthening those negotiation muscles. And then when I'm on the phone, I'm doing something else. Like, it's not just I'm sitting there staring at my phone because I know what's going to happen. They're going to put me on hold. Something else is going to happen where, you know, they need to speak to somebody else or they need to crunch some numbers really quick. So I am, you know, doing chores around the house, or sometimes I'm in my car on my commute and I have nowhere else to be. So you can – you can time these phone calls with other things you're doing. You don't just have to sit there and hate your
0: life while you're on the phone. Yeah, painting nails sounds like a good option. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um so yeah, that's really interesting. Because I, one of the things that I experience when I come back from Asia, like I, I used to live in India. And when I got mm. back, I was so, I always have to shift back into the, oh, this is America. You don't negotiate for every cup of coffee anymore. Right. right? Which is like, it's just such a common part of, of doing business in, in most Asian countries. Um, that Like coming back from India where you, I by the time I left I was, you know, negotiating for an umbrella in the middle of a monsoon to save three cents. Like yeah. and that's an actual example. Like <laughs> because it's just it's just so built in and it's so insulting generally to shopkeepers if you don't try to negotiate that mm. you get so used to it. And then I always have this moment when I come back where I'm like, Oh right, the price on the board is just what I pay in the States. Right. <laughs>
1: And I said at the beginning, everything's negotiable, and I I mean that as a general phrase. If you go to a Starbucks, like, unfortunately, you usually can't say, oh, I would only like to pay $2 for this $4 coffee, Um, but things that are recurring, things where you know that you are loyal to this company, you can always call and ask, and sometimes the answer is no, and so then you thank them, and, and I often, because, again, I'm obsessive, is I'll call back later, hoping to get somebody else to talk to mm-hmm. and see if they're more lenient and they're more willing to work with me. Cause sometimes that can happen too. I've had that happen where, okay, I call again and I get it somebody else on the phone. So um, but sometimes it doesn't work and you just have to thank them and you have to move along with your day. But knowing that you called and
0: made an effort is, is, great yes you get you get the adulting points that day yes 100 percent. the extra foam on your coffee or whatever it is (laughs) the uh i i think that's one of the things that i always talk about so i talk about negotiation as far as repayment terms on student loans which doesn't save you money but you know might make it easier for you to you know Sometimes it could pay, save you money if you can negotiate your interest rate down. But generally, it's just about getting getting into a new repayment plan, whatever. And one of the biggest things I, t- I tell people is that recognize that these are really large call centers. So if you are just yeah. really not jiving with someone you can hang up and call back and get someone else, right? Like, this is not a desirable job for most folks. Like, very few people are really excited about their career working in a student loan call center um, or in, like, a cable company call center. So if you just get someone that you've caught them on a bad day and they're not willing to work with you, you can call back.
1: Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. All
0: right. So what is the low-hanging fruit, Tori? So, like, is there is there any bill that every, you feel like everybody should be trying to negotiate?
1: I think my three are car insurance or any kind of insurance, if you have renter's insurance, anything like that, uh, your cable bill and your phone bill. Those are the three that they have so much flexibility because they know the cost of acquiring a customer is through the roof. So they're going to do pretty much anything to make sure to keep you. Um, with car insurance especially, there's so many deductions that we don't realize. And so having a conversation where you call and you just say, I want to make sure I'm getting every discount possible. And I literally have them run through the discounts they offer. Like, I'm a AAA member, and I didn't know until two years ago when I called that they offered a AAA discount. Uh, and actually, they wouldn't have known that, right, had I not called.
0: Oh, yeah. So I got
1: that discount. There's um, – uh as creepy as it is like i this last time i called they were like oh if you plug this thing into your car and we monitor how well you drive guaranteed you're at least going to get a five percent discount so i get that that's that can be a little terrifying so if you don't want to do that no problem (laughs) but that's something that i called and i was like yeah sure you can know that i'm speeding all the time that's fine (laughs) you can know that um (laughs) but if you're still gonna give me five percent great and i asked them i go so there's guaranteed, my, my car insurance is guaranteed to not go up, right? And they're like, yes. And so Oof. I ended up doing that. You can do this with your cable bill as well. Your cable and your phone are two where they really, really want to keep you. And I found with your cable, especially if you still have cable.
0: Um, yeah, who is, who about, is cable still? <laughs> I know.
1: Some people still do. Some people still pay for cable. And we may as well make it as cheap as possible. My dad, I mean, he wants his golf channel. So he, he still pays for cable. But... If they can't give you some monetary discount, usually they're going to give you some sort of either free channels or you know a, maybe a discount off of a, you know a package that you're already paying for. So there's flexibility there, and the same thing with your phone. So your phone will just. It will just nickel and dime you for maybe you went, if you have a limited data plan, maybe you went over on your data or maybe you made a call from outside the United States and you got charged for it. There's, there's a lot of things that still happen that are negotiable, as well as your bank. That's something we haven't talked about. It's not really a recurring bill, but there was a time a couple months ago where, yeah, I'm, I like to think I'm pretty good at personal finance, but I overdrafted on my account for the first time. And I called and I had that $25 fee waived just because I had never done it before. Uh, you know, the bank knew I was responsible and because I called. Yep. You know, you, you never know what's going to happen unless you call and, and spend a little bit of time on the phone and see what happens.
0: Yep. So the... there's,
1: a bunch that, there's a bunch of bills that you can, um, you can end up negotiating.
0: No, the bank fees is a really big one, and also credit card fees. So, like, yeah. I'm I'm someone who does a lot of travel hacking, so I have a lot of four fee credit cards. And if you're willing, if you're willing to call them, you can often get that waived for another day. So uh, it's definitely a really powerful thing. All right, Tori, you're on track to save a hundred thousand dollars before you turn twenty five. Other than negotiating your bills, which I'm sure does not add up to the entire $100,000, yeah. <laughs> what, what are your strategies for doing this? Are, are you doing this yeah. but through saving, earning, and like, why did you set that goal?
1: Yeah, so the joke I make with myself is as long as it's the day before I turn 26, so it's at 25. <laughs> I turn 25 in a week, and I know I'm going to get answers from people like, did you do it? And I'm like, no, I've never said, like, I have another year <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm going to need that year. So it's basically at 25, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a combination of all the things you just mentioned. Negotiating my salaries every single time has really, really helped not only for, you know, the extra five or $10,000 that I've earned by negotiating in that moment, but being able to invest to that money and seeing that grow, that's something that we don't think about a lot. It's not only the raise or the promotion or the increased job offer now but it's also the earning potential later as well as the money you're going to earn if you invest that remaining money so negotiating my job offers automating my savings has been huge for me just setting it and forgetting it just saying okay i'm going to take a percentage out of each paycheck it's going to automatically go into savings i'm not even going to see it i'm going to act like it doesn't exist and every time i'm feeling a little saucy i'm feeling a little crazy i'm going to increase it a percentage oh nice. so this is something that, that has truly transformed my life, and that I really work on doing with my clients because it's it's just so easy once you pay yourself first; you don't even have to think about it. Um, negotiating my bills, yeah, I mean that was that's a sliver of it, but that's definitely part of it. And the negotiation of of these smaller wins helped me negotiate something big, like a job offer or like a raise. Um, And then investing early, that's the really big thing. For women especially, we're going to obviously make less than men. We hear about the pay gap a lot, 78 cents to a man's dollar, even worse if you're a woman of color. Um, But the things we're not talking about are the wealth gap and the investing gap. So women, we we either wait to invest or we don't invest at all. So we take less money, it grows at a slower rate, and then women on average live seven years longer than men. So we're expected to live longer on less money. Yep. So my big thing is not only for my own personal finances, but my mission, I think I was put on this earth to fight for women's financial rights. And so the earlier you can start investing, even if it's just a small amount of money, it doesn't have to be this lump sum of money, but that is where wealth grows. That is where you have transformative change happen in your life is taking the money you have and watching it grow. So that's also one of the reasons I was able to to uh, be on track to save 100K. And I also have some privilege in there. I really like to acknowledge that. So I ended up graduating without student loans, which is a huge privilege in the United States, um, both because I worked really hard. I worked three jobs while I was in school. I got a lot of really great merit scholarships. I worked a summer job, so I was contributing. But my parents also financially contributed, and that was a conversation that we had you know, a couple times a year around, okay, how are we going to do this together? So they didn't hand me a check. It was nothing like that. We sat down and it was a very collaborative process about how we were going to all pay for college together. But that is something I like to acknowledge about my story is, yes, it was hard work on my part, but it was also my parents' hard work.
0: Yep. I mean, that's a big deal for a lot of people. All right. All right. Okay, Tori, this is like, I feel like you've already kind of answered this, but (laughs) something I ask every guest, it doesn't always make it into the final cut, but is what is the best financial decision you made and what is the worst?
1: The worst was taking a job for the money when my gut was telling me not to. Mm. So I ended up negotiating $20,000 more than they wanted to pay me, which was awesome. And I was there were some red flags happening, and I was like, "No, it'll be fine. A job's a job, and by day two, I knew I had made the wrong decision, so I ended up having to quit that job after ten weeks because it was so toxic without another job lined up. Um, that taught me so much about you know money's great, but really, your mental health is a lot better yep. than than ten thousand extra dollars. Um, I've learned so that, that same really lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. So I learned it young, which is, which is good. And just trusting my gut. That's the other thing I really learned. Um, I think my best, my best decision with money, I think was investing early. Most definitely. I, I was lucky enough to have a financial education growing up. Like I said, you know, I watched my parents negotiate bills. I watched them be really frugal and have honest conversations with each other about money. And so I grew up with that and knew, okay, I'm going to invest early. And so that's, I think the responsibility I have is like with privilege comes comes this responsibility to spread this knowledge that I have to women who need it. So I think that's that's the best the best decision I made. Um, yeah. In regards to money.
0: Oh my gosh, this was all such great stuff. I hope I hope to hear from listeners that they've negotiated a bill uh, after this episode. If folks want to learn more about her first 100K and the stuff that you're doing, where do they go?
1: Yeah. So her first100k.com is where you can find me. I am her first 100k on all the social platforms. I love when people come say hi, so come talk to me, ask me your financial questions and I'd love to connect with you.
0: You've got quality stuff out there. I always I like following you on Twitter. So <laughs> thank you. appreciate it. Right back at you. <laughs> Well, that wraps our show for today. Tori is such a great guest. I hope you got a lot of ideas. And I'm really serious. I want to hear about a bill that you've negotiated. Where is your low-hanging fruit? Uh, let us know how much you saved, if you failed, if you succeeded. Email us at questions at ohmydollar.com or tweet us at anomalily or at ohmydollar. Our producer for this episode is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. And your host is me, Lillian Care Bake. Thank you for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you.